1: So last week, Liv put me on the spot with the monogamy and calling me out for being the one in the room where who has been monogamous and was you know, kind of wired more monogamously from the beginning. And this week, I'm going to do the same to Josh, where he has been... He is the one among us who is wired polyamorously, um, I do believe, from birth by natural orientation. So can you kind of explain... What is was most natural to you from the beginning as far as hierarchies, non-hierarchies, um, the dynamics that you wanted out of a, an additional partner?
0: Well, the first time I heard about polyamory, it was from uh, somebody that was had a nesting partner and also had a secondary and a third in their relationship.
1: Tertiary. yes.
0: and I thought that seemed very strange that you could have different levels of relationships how could you put a higher value on one person a lower value on another it just did seem ethical to me and uh i couldn't wrap my head around it i thought if you're going to have more than one partner they need to be equals and they need to be equal to you Mm -hmm. so it just i don't know that's that's how it struck me and then i found out it was so common it was like the most common type of polyamory was you have your nesting partner and then everything else is addition to
2: i think that's because society doesn't accept it
0: it's people still trying to live monogamy. yeah
2: you exactly know, like and they're, hiding, they're yeah. hiding their secondary tertiary partners
0: exactly they're not ready to just jump in you yeah know, they're they're not ready to jump out of the plane with the yeah. parachute yet they're just one foot in one foot out so mm-hmm. right I didn't do that when I found out about it I just jumped
2: mm-hmm. I get yes.
0: accused of that all the time <laughs> Liv hates it she says, I, I every time I
2: don't hate it but I you It's you my jump
0: worst personality quality. Like,
2: what happened? I it's not always, the worst.
0: I always <laughs> jump and the then worst? figure yeah, out I mean, how I'm when gonna you land learn later.
1: Worse than this, you hear that? <laughs> I think I I don't know. I like it. I like it about it.
2: I'm weird. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I will figure out a plan on the I way like down.
2: Because I'm not a risk taker, I always like plan and uh, replan everything, and then I end up not jumping because yeah. the, the, the ship has sailed. Kind yeah, of thing. exactly. But then you do things like that, and like I'm I'm grateful for it, but at the same time, then I have to deal with the aftermath mm-hmm. of you jumping without the parachute, and I'm like, oh god, no, I can't do this. <laughs>
0: we had a saying in the Marines that everybody's got a plan until bullets start flying over their head. Then <laughs> everything just goes to shit.
2: So you're saying just jump, don't just plan. figure it out. Oh, gosh. <laughs> don't listen to him. <laughs> well, your life will be more interesting for oh, sure.
0: Yeah. I've never <laughs> been accused of being boring. Uh, no, you're not boring.
2: <laughs> no.
1: Yeah. I think the hierarchy is definitely much easier to wrap your mind around um, just from a societal standpoint, like you said, because it falls more in line with the monogamous what the monogamous culture expects mm-hmm. out of relationships so right it, l- it allows you especially if you haven't had the time to unwire the hardwired monogamy uh-huh. like we were talking about last time like when you still have those mental structures that expect you to be somebody's one and only it's easier to at least be well at least i'm i'm the highest of the ones right. that he wants to be with so yeah it's it's definitely a process but that was for me where i had embraced the monogamous cultural norms so for josh it was i think much easier to just cast aside the hierarchies that that culture says you're supposed to have
2: yes congratulations <laughs>
1: <laughs> and and he knew from the beginning that he wanted an additional nesting partner like we touched on before um it was never that he wanted secondary partners that he kind of casually dated until the honeymoon period was done, and then he'd find a new secondary partner mm-hmm. until the until the new relationship energy wore off. Like he wanted, he wanted to find yep. somebody he could put down roots with.
0: Can you yep. imagine in any anybody, male, female, being the third in a relationship and having a lesser value in the relationship? I can that, imagine it. I can imagine that working it. out.
2: Um, because I look at it from a different perspective. Uh, let's see let's imagine I am the tertiary partner. I am there because I choose to be there. I'm not there because I want more and I'm hoping to get more. I'm there because my life in that moment doesn't allow for me see, to see the key be word anything right
0: anything there else. is you said moment. Right. So you're expecting that that maybe moment will come and go.
2: Maybe or maybe not because certain relationships are meant to just be where they are and they never evolve to anything more. I don't see it. Like like you say, it, it can be, these are so like the variety and the situations are unlimited because yes, if I would want more from this person, maybe... uh i would hope for more but then why would i be in that type of relationship if this is all we're ever going to have this is not the right structure
0: i just can't imagine that structure lasting very long you're going to want more yeah I so it's a temporary it's a, it's a, a temporary tempor- structure exactly. so why why do it like in my mind this is what do you mean? i
2: do it because why you be like in a it? temporary you,
0: you're, situation why not do everybody searching for the because you know, that the person thing. is
2: also in a, a temporary for you mm-hmm. in that. And that moment in your life, you cannot afford to give any more time and emotional resources to somebody than you do right now. And that's all you're going to be.
0: So that you know that going into a relationship, like, hey, every moment and all these memories we're spending together, this is just for now. And later on, we're going to leave each other. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah.
2: That's how I look at it. It's it's clearly a temporary and a lesser uh, type of relationship than if you are the primary or if you are nested or...
0: You would never want to put, you know, invest much into that relationship, then.
2: No, you won't, and that just doesn't sit right with you.
0: No, of course not. Yeah, because
2: that's your style. But if you would be in a situation where you, that's all you wanted, and it was your, you're okay in that time in your life to be that or have that, then why not? The thing is, Josh never was was like that,
1: and I think this is making a really good point because there's a lot of people that try to make the argument that people who. Hang their hat on being polyamorous are non-committal, and Josh is proving that that is absolutely incorrect because he is one of the most committed individuals I've ever met. Like when he commits, he commits fully, and he he seeks commitment. Uh, He mean he did sixteen years in the Marine Corps. (laughs) Like that's that's commitment. We've been married for seventeen years. That's commitment. Now he's you know he's T- undertaken the challenge of bringing in another life partner, which is something that other people don't do because okay, he wants- didn't realize it was such a big challenge. <laughs> <The> challenge <laughs> is a- <laughs> maybe a, a challenge in the sense that society and all of the structures of society are saying this is not okay. And he's like, well, this is what I want and this is what's right for me. So I'm going to challenge that social norm. I'm gonna challenge what culture is saying I, I can and can't do because this is how he is. He wants that commitment. So I think yeah, that that just proves the point that right. That the people that say that polyamory is an excuse to not be committed are are absolutely mistaken.
2: It shouldn't be an excuse to not be committed. I mean the whole idea about polyamory is to get emotionally involved with a, another human being other than another partner. So uh, the only reason I think why is not more committed, it's because society drives this huge line and it tells you it's wrong. So therefore in your mind, subconsciously, you are not going to seek that commitment unless something really drives you to do it. And then you're going to stop and rethink it because you know of all the things that you can lose if people find out that you have a second partner. Mm-hmm. Or a third partner, and you live together so the only reason why uh polyamory is not so uh it's not the the poster of committing committed relationships is because it's being uh not it's not accepted yeah. it's, it's not demonized oftentimes, yeah so if if uh, you see uh, polyamorous people not committing, it's because of that. I'm more than sure that a lot of people would commit more and they would have more deep, meaningful uh, relationships with live-in partners and share families and responsibilities if it wouldn't be such a big deal to do it. But
1: mm-hmm.
2: give people the freedom to, to make this choice and don't impose your idea, your opinion on what you think somebody should do how you think somebody should live like yeah. and then judge let's see who does it better
1: it's not even just that it's not socially accepted it's not protected legally no that's a huge hang up like people literally lose custody of their children over yeah, this right exactly um, and that's legal for the judge to say i'm sorry i don't i don't agree with your polyamorous right. uh, lifestyle. So I don't, yeah. sexual orientation, that's protected. Judges can't refuse it to give you- to, to change, yeah, the custody of your children because of that. But polyamory, that's not protected. Your employers can fire you for uh-huh. being polyamorous. Uh-huh. So. But I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize. But. So one of our motivators for- choosing this topic for today was a comment that we got from one of our wonderful followers on YouTube, XM7LD. Thank you so much for this uh, comment here. They said, serial polyamory. Let's talk about this. Most polyamorous people seem to either have multiple consecutive partners or commit to one primary and rotate the secondary ones. It seems to be very unusual, even in polyamory, to make a really long-term commitment to more than one person. And this is um, kind of spinning off of our comment from our last episode about serial monogamy. So many people are up on their high horse, like, well, I'm monogamous. Well, but you have a new monogamous, quote unquote, partner every two weeks. So how monogamous really are you? But as- Or even every
2: five years, you're still not monogamous.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but as this commenter is pointing out, even people are like that in polyamory, and I think a lot of people use that term, polyam- oh, I'm polyamorous, as an excuse, really, to just sleep around with multiple people mm-hmm. at the same time. Um, it, I think it makes them
2: maybe feel like they sound a little bit more... Uh, well, it sounds better to say that you're polyamorous, right, than say that you have an inability to connect to a human being and you're just like fucking around, or say that you have sleeping around, or That's say that you I have beep. five five partners at the same time. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I think sometimes there it's harder to see the distinction there between polyamorous and just being non committal Mm-hmm. And and I think that just varies from one person to another, because I think there probably are some people that are fall in that camp that are truly polyamorous. And there's probably others that really just don't want a serious relationship.
0: Um, so there's people in polycools and maybe they're dating you know four, five, six people simultaneously. But the question is, at what point do you become so polysaturated that you're not actually have enough resources, not enough time? attention to give these other partners to you know what would be the level of the relationship when you're spread so thin across so many relationships are you really there for each other what you know what would that even look like
2: right Mm -hmm. this is something that uh, I think every new person in the lifestyle goes through Uh, I don't don't know if it's I mean I don't know if it's correct to call it a lifestyle every new person yeah in the poly lifestyle goes through goes through uh, and uh, also, especially young people, because when you first open yourself to non-monogamy, um, you explore and you will bite more than you can chew because it's natural. And then you understand where uh, your limits are and where you feel like you've also reciprocated love and attention to your partner like they do. And uh, if you continue on this road, without being cautious and mindful about your your partner's feelings, then that's when you it's a problem. That's where you get to the uh, to the uh, uh, issue with attachment and uh, the uh, inability to connect to a human being. So that's when we're no longer talking about poly. This is something else. But if at the beginning of your life within non-monogamy, you do end up in a situation where you are polysaturated, it's okay as long as you recognize it and you you step back and you start, you know, choosing what's important and who's important and how you can do it so everybody can be happy because it's a big responsibility to keep everyone happy. Yeah. In the book Poly, Poly Secure by
1: Jessica Fern, she talked about that. Like, okay, so, you know, the big thing with polyamory is, well, love is an infinite resource. Like, well, yes, that, I believe that's true, but secure attachment is not an infinite resource there's only so much that each person can offer other people so it's a good distinction
0: yeah even just having two partners it's like you have to be very uh focused on making sure that you're giving enough time and resources to both partners mm-hmm. and i can't imagine if you start splitting up even more and more and more each relationship would become thinner
1: yeah, and there's other things that contribute to that dynamic as well. Like if you're for us, it I would say it's probably a little easier because we do all live together. But if you have a partner that's not living with you and they have their own life, maybe they have another they have their own nesting partner, their own kids, you have all these different things that maybe inhibit that ability to really have an intimate attachment or at least make it maybe a little bit more difficult, more challenging.
0: I think with the, the polycule type situations is like they have a, maybe a little thinner relationship with that one other person but then they have three or four other people and they just can kind of get everything they need mm-hmm. moving from relationship to relationship and kind of piecemeal what they need all together mm-hmm. out of multiple people so and it's that's not
2: one of the main attractions yes, about non-monogamy
0: there's nothing wrong with that if that mm-hmm. works for an individual mm-hmm. i support that that's absolutely a, that's great it's just um it receives even more, like more work to me than there, I would uh, be willing really to well, try Well, not myself. necessarily,
2: because there's a lot of people that do not want to have what we have. Yes. They're mm-hmm. more than happy to have, um, you know, the hierarchy, you mm-hmm. know, and have your primary partners and have your secondary partners. And the partners of these people feel the same way. Yes. So, and it doesn't mean you'll always be like that. You can change mm-hmm. your your desires. And I know I've changed my mind multiple times, once i started being non-monogamous and uh that's that's perfect because that's the beauty to of non-monogamy non-monogamy you have the option to change and want something different
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and that's something i was noticing too is like even with the swinging and the uh, polyamory like a lot of people you know those are two separate camps but people often find themselves crossing back and forth between the between the two. They might start originally off like, Oh, I want to be a swinger," but then they develop feelings for somebody. Right? There might be wanting a relationship and later on, it's too difficult. I just want a purely sexual relationship. Right now on like people in non monogamy do change over time of and kind of discover more about themselves, their needs and what works for them. And right. These, things do change back and forth.
2: It, it comes with maturity. Like I was speaking about earlier, uh, when you start exploring, different avenues and after a while you realize that you do want more connection and commitment so you will not only change uh, uh, the fact that you want uh relationships that have feelings involved but maybe even change uh, how many you want how many primaries you want and mm-hmm. and that's okay there's nothing wrong with it sometimes so let's start uh the list of polyamorous types of relationships by talking about what type of polyamorous relationship are we and where do we fit in so we are i think Sharp knows best she's the expert
1: (laughs) not an expert i just i did a little bit of research and the the expert within (laughs) us i mean
2: among (laughs) us
1: (laughs) no i think the category that we fall in is nested where we're actually doing life together Mm -hmm. Um, and there are a lot of different ways even that nested partnership can look like sometimes like I mentioned before maybe another partner has a different nesting partner or kids or something where you can't all live under one roof at the same time but maybe you're spending a couple nights a week over there you're sharing expenses you know that even that is a form of like nested polyamory where you're doing a significant chunk of so life
2: together and if we are to compare it with a monogamous relationship it's like having a long-term partner and you are doing a lot of things together but you're not really living together
1: no you are yeah you're you're living together nonstop. sometimes sometimes, sometimes. non-stop sometimes not but i guess more the idea that you're putting down roots together you're okay you're trying to build a life that's integrated mm-hmm. um that's the biggest thing with with a nested relationship um Whereas if you're not nested, you know, like we were talking earlier about solo poly and that's the quite the opposite where you aren't fi- financially entwined with anyone. You're not spending so, any significant like dating, time overnight kind of with anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. Yeah. Basically dating uh, doesn't mean that it's not serious, but mm-hmm. you're not entwined in any way. Mm
2: mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, another type is kitchen table polyamory where all partners know each other and the partners' partners know each other and they have they do events together, right? And family yeah. family functions. Yeah. So even if you're not
1: um, a partner with everyone that's part of that, you know, polycule, um you all know each other well enough that you're doing holidays together, maybe spending like an extended family. Yeah, pool parties on the weekends or mm-hmm. something like just hanging out and actually um, trying to do life together and spending time together like a family would, um, sharing meals and such. Um, mm-hmm. And that differs from parallel poly, where like the partners know the others exist, but there's little or no, no interaction. Attraction. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then even like kind of between those, you have the garden party, polyamory, where, okay, maybe you do meet each other. You've met each other. You're cordial with each other. Maybe have casual conversations at the same get together. You, you maybe you're metamorphs and you have the same partner, mm-hmm. but there's no relationship really between the two of you. But right. you can be at the same right. birthday party for your partner right. you or do something meet for big events. And, and yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly.
2: Interesting. Yes. So many, so many. Do you guys know of any new ones? Let us know. Yeah. <laughs> We're <Yeah>. excited to <laughs> find out if anyone does this differently.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And something that changes the dynamics as well is whether you practice hierarchy or mm. hierarchical or non-hierarchical. Um, so non-hierarchical is what we have, obviously, where it's like there's not... There's not one placed above
2: the other. Right, a, pr- a primary partner and a secondary partner. Yeah. So we all have equal weight in decision
1: making and um, you know, all of that. Um, whereas in hierarchies, you'll have a primary partner that takes precedence, um, maybe a secondary that Oftentimes rotates like oftentimes mm-hmm. you have a primary partner that's like your nesting partner, right? And then you have a secondary, and usually those secondary ones are a little bit less
2: less long term. Not right. always, but and they probably will not live with you in that situation. It will not be a right. nested type of relationship. Yeah, Correct. yeah, yeah. So the options are unlimited. Mm-hmm.
1: I think one of the one of the dangers with the hierarchy. Um, and I would say this, especially if you are polyamorous or monogamous and looking to get into a relationship with a polyamorous person, if there is a hierarchy involved, um, be very cautious about veto power. Because if you have a primary partner that can say no, I don't, I don't like the, you being in this relationship,
2: then that that's a that's dangerous a, that's, that's dangerous territory to get into. That's a good good subject because I do remember uh when Josh and I first met that I did ask him this question because I did not want to get involved in a relationship with a man that might say, Hey, you know what? Actually, uh I can't do this because my wife is not okay with it. So it was a concern of mine. Yeah. Yes. And uh it's it's always it's always a concern when you get into our type of relationship and it's not only about the veto power but if you don't have a good relationship with the spouse of your partner regardless of what type of relationship it is with or without the veto power that it's more it's not going to happen because there will be issues all kinds of issues mm-hmm. So it does complicate things a lot. And it's something that uh, if you are new to polyamory, it's something to consider and ask about and make sure there's compatibility on all levels and in all all areas, because uh, it can make or break the relationship. It's already, in my opinion, is hard to be compatible with one person, truly compatible and do things together in, in, a, in an enjoyable way. And that's why people have such a hard time finding partners when they're dating. And then when you're dating as polyamorous, you're not just dating one person, you're dating two people or maybe three people or four people at the same time, depending of how many people this person that you have met has in their life, especially if you're doing kitchen table or uh, uh, even the, the garden party style. So it gets pretty complicated Mm -hmm. and you need to uh, consider that when you start a relationship with a polyamorous person, that uh, the people in their lives are compatible to you. Don't ignore it because any issue that you may have, it will just get bigger and it will affect your main relationship with the person you're actually dating.
1: I think there's even issues with the don't ask, don't tell, um, you know, where you have one partner that doesn't want to know anything. They know their partner is polyamorous and they're okay with that, but they don't want to know anything about the other partners. Um, you know, like to the extent oftentimes where like, they don't even want to know when their partner is going on a date with somebody or talking to somebody else. And I think I've talked to other people who are, are the other partner and even that can be hurtful. It's like, wow, like this other person doesn't even want to know about me. I would love to meet you know, this uh, my partner's other partner and have a relationship with them, and they don't even well, know I
2: exist. In my opinion, the "don't ask, don't tell" is actually a underlying l- issue because it's not it's it's not really being polyamorous. It's being in. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's being in a relationship where something doesn't work. And this road that you're taking doesn't really work either, but you just rather stay together and do life as you think will work for you. It's a very short-lived solution, in my opinion. Don't ask, don't tell.
0: I think the uh, don't ask, don't tell is the difference between ethical non-monogamy and consensual non-monogamy. How so? How so is because your partner says you can go out and you can have this other partner, but I don't want to know what you're doing or what's going on, so you're being ethical to the point where you're not cheating. You're telling okay. your partner, but you don't really have the consent because they would give you the consent. They'd be enthusiastic about it, like yes, and I want to meet her and I want to know what's you know everything and da 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 da. Yeah, I think that. But just definition wise, I think that would be right. the definition between the the two.
2: That makes sense. Yeah, right. So like, because I didn't consider it as being the two terms being different: ethical non-monogamy and consensual non-monogamy. And I see what you mean. By consensual, you mean also like full in and excited about it. Fully totally supportive. uh I know about it and whatever. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: I'm not going to stop you. Yeah. It's not what I want. Yeah, yeah. you the don't stop one, me. Yeah. I don't stop you and just. But the you know. other
0: way, it's consensual. It's. Yeah. Yeah, we're both agreeing to this.
2: Yeah. It's still consensual, but I get it. I understand what you mean. The
0: yeah. other one, it's more, you know. Uh, under duress.
2: Uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's it's like I said. It's like the parallel one, the parallel style, where uh it's I'm not fully happy about what's happening, but I'm going to just go with it for now, and you go with it, and uh, yeah, don't ask, don't tell. That never. It never means anything good. <laughs> don't ask, don't tell. It's never going to work out <laughs> no <in the long laughs> It's like a, pot, a, a lid over a pot that has a lot of shit in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a pretty lid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it makes us look, oh, look at us. <laughs> the type of polyamory that you get into and you th- it's attractive to you mm-hmm. will talk about your emotional availability and stability it's a hundred percent I am sure of it because I see, I look at my life, how it's changed and things that I was into and things that I would say, I would never, and by the way, never <laughs> say never. <laughs> and uh how I see it, let's say I'm into the don't ask, don't tell. Like we said, there's an issue there in the relationship and we're mm-hmm. trying to save the relationship, but at the same time, we're not happy and we're like trying to figure out what's happening, but we're kind of bitter and upset about it. And then if you're going to do the solo poly, you're going to want to not commit to anyone. So again, we're talking about your emotional availability. It's not there and you call yourself solo poly, but in reality, you just don't want to give anything and open your heart to anyone. And if you're doing parallel again, it's right. It's like the don't ask, don't tell type of scenario. No, where it's, it's more just that your
1: partners don't ever really meet.
2: Right. So you each do other. know, you do yeah. talk about it. Somehow. But maybe they're just
1: very different. Um, you yeah, know, like it, maybe it's one of your partners is a man and one of your partners is a woman, they right. live in different areas, like have different interests. Right. Like, and I can there's see just no reason for, for their paths to cross. Yeah. I can
2: see that working for me in the right scenario. Like I'm busy, you're busy, everyone's busy. I know you about, you, about your partners, you know about mine and everything works for us. And But it's a, it's a living, changing organism, polyamory. Like yeah. uh, if today I'm into this, tomorrow, I may want something completely different because my mind has grown and I'm in a different place. And it gives you the ability to uh, grow to such an extent that in my opinion, monogamy will never allow you to emotionally. So yes, I think this is a very interesting subject.
1: And one of the interesting things with polyamory is you can even be actively involved in several of these things at the same time. Like you might have one partner where you're very kitchen table and you know their whole polycule, but then you have a solo partner, um, or maybe, maybe you are, I've seen this several times where you are poly and you open that door and you have a nesting partner and then they start to embrace poly and you have issues. Like adapting, and you're like, okay, mm-hmm. I need the don't ask, don't tell. Like, right. I can't, I can't at tell first. you that I don't mm-hmm. want you to do this because I'm doing this. But there's a lot of, you know, insecurities yep. that come up that they didn't expect. Right. Um, so, yeah, they, none of these things are mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. A lot I, at the
2: same time. I think the don't ask, don't don't tell policy is not necessarily something bad as much as it's a transitional period where you're trying to figure out where you fit in into this new into this change in your life. So it's not necessarily bad as long as the 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 work, the inner work is still done uh, behind it, you know? Like yeah. trying to figure out how you feel, what you want, where is the relationship going? Yeah, it's really what is the reason for that don't ask don't tell. Right. right. If it's just like I don't care about you and you don't care about me then it's bad. But if it's just a little buffer put in place to, to protect you as an individual while you're figuring out your way in the non-monogamous polyamorous mm-hmm. world, then it's perfectly okay to, to, and it should be respected by the partner who wants to share everything. Don't just dump everything on someone who's not ready to hear, to hear it. Because if they're doing that, they're not doing it because they're being an asshole. Maybe they're just trying to protect their feelings and they rather figure out where they stand before they open up their heart and their mind to your experiences with someone else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we covered all the types of polyamory that we know of. Uh, If you guys like our uh, podcast, share it with your friends that uh, you think might enjoy this type of content and uh, help us normalize non-monogamy and polyamory in uh, society. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Welcome to our newest episode, Trupple Talk podcast. <laughs> it's happening right now. <laughs> Welcome to Trupple Talk. Today we are discussing, uh, what the fuck are we talking about?
0: <laughs> it's Trupple Talk, not Truple Talk. I
2: can't say it. I can't do the TH. It's not natural in my language. If you knew, if you knew, you know what?
0: Know what?